Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined the Nine of Wands and the 300 Spartans at Thermopylae. Today's show will focus on the Ten of Wands and Atlas. Myth and Tarot Where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, wands, and symbols And all of the above Myths, Tarot, Love Welcome to Myth, Tarot, Love, a show about ancient stories and new-aged wisdom. I am Biddy, your resident classicist. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we had to take a break last week, as some of you might have noticed, uh, but we don't apologize for such a thing because it was out of our... It was out of our reach, and women apologize far too much for things they don't have control over. Exactly. I so. Think, I, I was experiencing a Ten of Wands moment for... Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it just, yeah. Yeah. When there's when there's uh, so much stuff to do, and uh, it kind of traps you, mm-hmm. that, those are definitely some themes that we will talk about in the Ten of Wands. <laughs> yes. Um, the Ten of Wands is kind of a weird card because in so much of the wands, it talks about like knowing your values, fighting for your values, um, responsibility and, and pushing through despite the, you know, the most difficult odds. And if you just keep at it, you're going to win and succeed. Well, the Ten of Wands is the card that kind of shows the flip side of that, where it says, hey, You've reached the top, and there's nowhere to go from here, and you have all this responsibility, and there's no way to get any better from this this point, right? <laughs> um, so, in most cases, when we reach the ten, it's kind of like a pinnacle of success. It's normally like happy and like happily ever after. Well, not in the ten of swords, but oh, <laughs> the ten mind. of swords is kind of really devastating. Yeah. But the Ten of Wands, uh, sorry, Ten of Cups uh, and the Ten of Pentacles were both very um, happy moments. Mm-hmm. The Ten of Wands is not necessarily an, as devastating as the Ten of Swords, which is, you know, all about failure and uh, complete devastation. Yeah. Um, the Ten of Wands is is more of a subtle, um, a subtle defeat where you have actually succeeded and that is part of your defeat. Um, so what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. I think sometimes I think of like, I don't know, like a CEO or someone who's made it to the very like top and now they're kind of just trapped by their responsibilities. They can't really get out of what it is they've been doing, even though from an outside's perspective, they're highly successful. From their perspective, they're miserable. Mm-hmm. Right. So I that's kind of like some of the imagery I think of. Um, when I am thinking about the Ten Wands, but I think we've all, um, at some point in life, maybe have experienced this this state where you worked so hard to get to a certain point, and then once you got there, you were just being crushed by your responsibilities mm-hmm. at that point. And, um, you know, if you haven't reached this, this point in your life, count yourself lucky because it sucks. <laughs> it really sucks I to like, work like... so hard towards something and then get there and realize that it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. Like, I feel like, it, is it just when you reach the top or just if you're feeling, like, a lot of burden? It can represent feeling overburdened as well. Um, but normally it, it represents having reached some success and that success is your burden. Okay. Yeah. 
which Ugh. is not fun. No. Um, or like, because there, it this card talks a lot about um, this idea that the things we reach for end up trapping us mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. in the long run, um, or the things that we take responsibility for. Like in so many cases, taking responsibility is one of the things that makes us more powerful mm. um, and makes us, you know, have control over our life and et cetera, et cetera. But this card is representing the other side of that, the other perspective where you have so many responsibilities, you can't move anymore. You're completely trapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so looking at the figure, you can kind of see that as well. So like, let's describe the card. We have a person who is carrying all 10 wands <laughs> in a bundle um, and they're kind of hunched over and carrying the sticks and um, their face is hidden. Like, it's like they're just um, staring at the ground. It almost looks like, you know, football players when they're, like, ta- I don't know, tackling or, like, pushing. <laughs> yeah, when they're, like, yeah. pushing against each other, whatever. It almost looks like it's, like, in that position. Yeah, like, the figure is definitely pressing forward. Um, the ground is all very level. Um, and there's lots of lush green in the background. And the sky is blue. And there's even a castle and all of these things to me represent um, lots of stability, lots of uh, prosperity to be had. But at the same time, the figure is not able to enjoy any of them because he is completely um, taken over by the labor of having to carry these these wands. And it's almost like he can't even see them either because yeah. the wands are all in front of him. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that's particularly interesting about this is that our responsibilities do give us stability, right? And there's there's kind of this this theme of like when you're filled with responsibility, one of the things that's trapping you in it is the fact that it is giving you stability and it's making the nice things in your life possible, mm-hmm. but you're not able to enjoy them. Right. Uh, and I think that's something that I personally have been able to relate to. Uh, <laughs> me too. Um, where <laughs> there's lots of things to be grateful for, yeah. but you can't enjoy it because you're so focused on your work mm-hmm. and the work is all that you can see. Yeah. That's why self-care <laughs> and a gratitude practice are so important. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Self-care is huge. Taking moments to be just you. <laughs> Taking Sleeping. moments to experience. Yeah. Um, sometimes like basic you, things. Sometimes your, your top priority just needs to be looking after yourself. Yeah. Um, even though, and, and that's, it seems like a an easy thing to say, but a really, really hard thing to do, especially mm-hmm. when you're in the midst of all this responsibility and you're like, oh, I can't take time for myself because such and such and you'll mm-hmm. find a million excuses. Oh, yeah. But um, if you're making yourself miserable, there's it, this card will appear to kind of remind you to say, hey, this isn't the point of living. <laughs> um, if we were to use the symbol of fire as we have been for all of the wands, the the roaring of the fire has died down by the time the Ten of Wands comes, and now this is the ashes, Ooh. right? So it's like everything has occurred that could occur, and there is nothing left to have a spark. Mm. There's nothing left to burn, basically, uh, once you reach the Ten of Wands. And the main advice the Ten of Wands tells you to do is leave, actually. Oh. Um, which is really counterintuitive because up to this point, 
the wands has been saying just push forward i mean even Mm -hmm. in the nine of wands um the character in the nine of wands was really kind of beaten down looking rather beaten down by that point but it was still saying persevere and you will be victorious right just um persevere but despite all odds and then the ten of wands comes in and says all right you've gone as far as you can um Oftentimes, this card shows up to tell a person that they're spinning their wheels. Mm. Um, sometimes, I would say one of the most positive time ways that this card can appear is when it tells you where you're spinning your wheels. Okay. So sometimes this card isn't like your final answer. It's associated with something specific. Um, so this card can be really helpful to show you in, like exactly where you mm. are spinning your wheels and where you need to fo- focus more energy. Um this card is basically saying um, any energy spent in that particular endeavor is a waste of energy because you can't go further anymore. You can't succeed anymore. You've already done everything you can. Um, it's, it's nothing but ashes left. You know, there's nothing left to burn there. So stop, uh, stop trying to add sparks to ashes when there's nothing that's going to catch. Mm. Right. Um, so it's a it's a rough rough thing to see too um especially since like so many of like so much of the advice up to this point has just been hey keep going you've got this follow your morals follow your your beliefs follow your passion right sometimes it is good to get the message though of like no now is the time to back away exactly it is a time to rest it is a time like I think yeah. the fact that the figure's eyes are, like, actually buried in his work as well. Like, like uh, his eyes are down, and it's kind of like he's he's blinded almost by the rods that are in front of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he can't see ahead of him. He can't see the castle that he's walking towards. He can't see the blue skies or the lush forest um, in, the, in the background. Like part of being in this position of the ten of wands is that you are actually being blinded by your responsibilities and blinded by your work so you need to have this kind of outside perspective saying hey you're wasting your energy here this isn't this isn't where where you should be yeah um and honestly leaving this situation is probably one of the hardest lessons to be learned in tarot uh learning when to leave the ten of wands because it is it's something that people can be trapped in for the rest of their, of their lives, really. Um, yeah. Uh, anyways, what, how are we doing on time? We're doing all right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really love the character that you picked this week, Viddy, because I think it, it describes the Ten of Wands perfectly. Um, you want to tell us about Atlas? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, sometimes it just fits so perfectly, and I feel like this is definitely the case with the Ten of Wands here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're going to be looking at Atlas today, and of course, I'll do a bit of background first. Yeah. Um, so Atlas, depends on the myth, can was either a titan or a giant. Um, I'm going to be talking about him more as a titan, um, but some of his children include the Hesperides, which I'm also going to talk about a little more today, right. um, but also Maya, who was actually the mother of Hermes. Oh, cool. So I thought that was pretty neat to mention. So Atlas was the grandfather to oh, Hermes? Yeah. That's cool. So, so what's the difference between a titan and a giant? Um, so titans were gods, giants were not. Oh, so giants were just like really big humans and 
he mm. titans had more like magical powers <laughs> <laughs> yeah like basically i would say titans so titans were after how do i say this so they were like primordial beings kind of um, that would come out of chaos. So there was like Gaia, Earth, and Tartarus, and Uranus, and all those mm-hmm. things. And then the Titans were kind of the generation after them. There were still gods, um, but the generation after the Titans were the Olympian gods that we know more about, like Zeus and Hera and all of those. So yeah, just kind of that's where they fit in kind of that chronology there. And giants, I actually don't, I can't say that I know too much about giants, to be honest. I know more about, like, cyclopses and that sort of thing. Um, but it's right, just to yeah. say that he was a big man. He was he was huge. <laughs> he was big. He yeah. was huge. Um, <laughs> huge guy. Big guy, big guy. Um, so I'm going to look at a few different kind of stories um, that have Atlas in it. Um, he doesn't really have his own kind of myths. He's more involved in other ones. Um, the main one that people, I think, would know him for um, is the aftermath, what happens after the Titanomachy. So if you remember, this is the battle between the Titans um, and the and gods, gods yeah. and the Olympian gods. Um, and actually, the leader of the Titan faction was Atlas. Oh. Yeah. And interestingly... So he was like a general. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, he was Yeah, the leader of... Of the Titans, I guess, like a general. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly, his brother was Prometheus, um, who was the god of foresight. We've talked about him before. Yeah, and he gave humans fire. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And he was the one, oh, and he created men as well. Oh. But anyway. Go figure. There you go. The creator. Uh, yeah. Prometheus. But he was the, he actually joined Zeus's side, so the side of the Olympian gods, um, which I feel like it should have been a bit of like a flag for Atlas there because he mm-hmm. was the god of foresight. So it's like, huh. Oh, yeah. It's like if the god of foresight's switching sides, maybe yeah. you should. So I think he, he, he <laughs> kind of knew who was going to win there. Um, but yeah, so it was a great bottle, ba- bottle, battle, battle that they fought. <laughs> um, and of course, the Olympians won. But because the gods and titans are all immortal, they had a dilemma, basically, that, you know, their opponents wouldn't die. So they had to figure out, what are we going to do with them? Mm-hmm. So most of the titans were placed in an area in the underworld or in Tartarus, so that they were kind of imprisoned there. Yeah. Um, but Atlas was given another punishment, I think mostly because he was, you know, the leader. He had to get something worse, um, which was to stand at the edge of the world or Gaia, and either hold up the sky so that it wouldn't come back down onto Earth, or to be the guardian there, um, because there's also pillars um, that apparently could hold everything up. So either he's, you know, watching these pillars, or he is physically the one holding them up. Um, A common misunderstanding, which I actually, you know, used to have too, is that Atlas held up the world. I think... Yeah, well, like, I thought, like, isn't that why we, we call the books Atlas? When they're, like, the atlases? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. So, the yeah, that's what's interesting is that he would actually hold up the cosmos. And I think it's because of the artwork that we see. You know, we see him holding something round, and it's yeah. just assumed that it's the world. Or artists could have interpreted it as the world and drew it that way. So that's yeah. how we think, okay, he's, yeah, holding up the I've world. I've definitely seen that image before mm-hmm. of Atlas, like, 
carrying the world on his back. Yeah, but that's inaccurate. Or like the world on his shoulders, <laughs> yeah. right? I thought that that saying came from Atlas. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think it, it did, but again, it was inaccurate. So he was actually holding up the sky or the cosmos, the heavens. I'm going to use various words today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all basically the same thing. Um, and this is because I think I know that I've mentioned this before, but how the Greeks saw their world is more as discs so mm-hmm. again like Gaia or Earth is a disc on top of her is another Uranus, disc of the, the sky, sky and then below is Tartarus so everything was discs everything is <laughs> it and I in my brain yeah. I see them as like CDs <laughs> <laughs> like these little discs and so Atlas would be at the edge of the Earth disc mm-hmm. and holding up the, um, the next guy because that's how we're able to be here humans and other things is because we have that separation between earth and sky yeah that's where we live exactly we live in the breathable part yeah <laughs> exactly sorry i'm just um, i think so. it's really interesting that um he he was given a fate worse than hell <laughs> and that was to have a huge responsibility. <laughs> yeah, and to have to, like, carry it or just, yeah, look after yeah. it for sure. Yeah, yeah that definitely. his punishment was, uh, had to be worse than hell and it was mm-hmm. to be responsible. <laughs> I think that's kind of just an interesting thought in it general. Is. Yeah, no, it is, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, so, again, he's condemned to the edge of the world, um, which is actually near the Garden of the Hesperides, who, again, were his children, and mm-hmm. that'll come in, into play in a little bit. Um, but what I also think is interesting is that Atlas um, later equated not only to the books that, that we have um, with the maps of the world, um, but also a mountain range in Morocco near the Atlantic Ocean, which is actually where, you know, Atlantic gets its name. It's from Atlas. Um, and his name is also given to the mythical content of Atlantis. Cool. Um, so Atlantic, Atlantis are all part of Atlas. Atlas, exactly. Which apparently Atlantis um, is said by Plato to lie on the far in the far west beyond the pillars of Heracles, which were the hills of Gibraltar, which is also kind of near these Atlas mountains and things. So. I don't yeah. know. I thought it's kind of, it's a mix, you know, of Fantasy, myth and reality yeah. and kind of making reasons for why things are the way they are. Through yeah. So, and finding reasons. Um, yeah, so this is where we start to see heroes coming into play um, because Atlas himself, again, didn't really have an extensive myth, but he's seen in several ones, especially related to heroes. So the first one I'm going to look at today is with Heracles. So, I know him. Yeah. <laughs> mentioned him. Um, so Heracles, or Hercules, which is the... The Disney version. Well, yes. The, <laughs> the Latin or Roman version. Yeah. Um, for his 11th labor, um, he was asked to bring back the apples of the Hesperides. So these apples grew on a magical tree with golden bark and golden leaves. Um, and so money did grow on trees. <laughs> these apples did. <laughs> and actually, side note, this one of these apples was the one that was, you know, given to Paris to choose oh, the fairest. Oh, yeah. So these apples have come, have been around. <laughs> yeah, these apples <laughs> are pretty famous. Mm-hmm. So Zeus actually gave Hera this tree as a wedding present, and Hera planted it at the foot of Mount Atlas. Um, but because the Hesperides <laughs> liked to take the apples... Um, Hera sent a hundred-headed serpent um, to guard over it. Ooh. Yeah, so Hera, Heracles 
came and he, you know, he realized how dangerous this task would be. So he asked um, for Prometheus's advice. You know, what should I do kind of thing? How am yeah. I going to get it? So um, he's one that told him, you know, ask um, Atlas, since he's there, to get the um, apples for him from the magical tree because it was too dangerous for him. Mm-hmm. So while Atlas was getting the apples, um, Heracles then held up the sky for, for him. him in the, in his stead. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlas returned and was so excited to be free of this again this task, burden yeah. this task that he told Heracles that he could bring the apples to Eurystheus himself. So that's the one that you know has tasked Heracles. <laughs> that makes sense. He's like, well, yeah. you're holding up the sky now, so so I'm, I'm just going to take this for you. You can just stay here for a bit. Um, yeah, you, you, you hold up the heavens. Um, so Heracles agreed, um, but asked Atlas if he could take back the sky just for a moment so that he can put a pad on his head in order to cushion, because it is a heavy. Yeah, cushion <laughs> the blow. Cushion, cushion all, all of this considerable weight. Um, unfortunately, Atlas was a little silly and he agreed to do this, so, um, he put down the apples and lifted lifted the sky back up, and Heracles kind of skedaddled away with the with apples. The <laughs> yeah, so he yeah, silly Atlas. Poor uh, Atlas. He was almost free. He was so close. He was just too nice of a person to be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll help you out there. Yeah. Shouldn't have done it. Um, so Heracles brought back the apples to Eurystheus, and but because they were so dangerous, um, he actually gave them back to Heracles, who gave them to Athena, who gave them back to the Hesperides. So they kind of came, came back. <laughs> that sounds like a very productive, uh, <laughs> very productive mm-hmm. quest there. Yeah, that happened a lot with the labors. I think it was mostly he was just trying to give Prove him that he could impo- do it. Well, Eurystheus was giving him impossible tasks so that he couldn't do them, and yeah. every time he he would <laughs> normally somehow, somehow normally through, with the help of either a god or goddess or something like that. So yeah. So in this case, uh, Atlas made it possible for him to complete the yeah the mission, and uh, Atlas and Prometheus telling him you know how to do it and even to get there he had to i can't remember what the god's name was but he had to enlist help um to even find where it was because again the edge mm-hmm. of the world it's really is you know thought to be really really far away um i think this is also around where um perseus had to go to find the fates to get information on how to get you know medusa and the gorgon and all that stuff it's interesting that there's all this gray area when it comes to the titans that they're not really, like, good or bad. They're not really, like, evil or good. Yeah, right? they're more... Yeah, they're definitely a lot more, like... Neutral. They're neutral, but they're also, like, bigger concepts, too. Like, the Earth. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to wisdom. I don't know. Yeah, like, it's, like Well, no, was, she, would, she was a... Goddess of goddess. Wisdom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you said, like, foresight or... Um, what, what was Atlas representing... It's a good question. Just strength. <laughs> yeah. Responsibility. <laughs> Not God of War. I mean, he could be seen as a warrior. Actually, so later, before the war, I couldn't really say. But afterwards, he's definitely the one to represent, I think, again, like the cosmos and mm-hmm. the turning of time and kind of the keeper of... Like the keeper of time, the keeper of the days. 
Yeah. If you will. Because he's holding up the sky, yeah, it's right? more Janice, too. He is holding up the sky, but he's holding up, like, everything and making sure that it, it kind of moves. Oh, okay. So he's more like the responsibility of making sure it's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can say that. The structure. Maybe he gives structure to the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's not it's, coming to my mind. It's not, like a good it's way not to very say well it. defined. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So the last um, quick one I wanted to mention um, is another story that we have involving a hero. Um, it actually comes from Ovid. Um, so a much later story, but it's temporally written before the last story, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, this one involves Perseus after he has already killed the Gorgon Medusa. So mm-hmm. according to Ovid, Perseus was wandering around um, kind of the place where the Atlas Mountains are, and he asked Atlas for hospitality and mentioned that he was a son of Zeus. But Atlas got afraid of this and tried to drive him away because he heard a prophecy that a son that said that a son of Zeus would steal the golden apples. Right. Um, but... Interesting side note is that Heracles is actually, not only is he a son of Zeus, but he is the great-grandson of Perseus. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> double, double, double whammy. whammy there. <laughs> so, you know, he's chasing Perseus around. So in order to save himself, um, Perseus revealed Medusa's head that he was carrying and turned Atlas to stone. And part of those, you know, the very Atlas Mountains. Oh. Yeah. So Atlas actually got turned into stone? In, in this version of of the myth yeah that's crazy so how was he able to help get the golden apples this is why i say in this version (laughs) because they don't always make sense yeah okay so that's how he became the mountains Mm -hmm. is is that he got turned to stone exactly from medusa's head interesting or her gaze from her gaze yeah wow well, it's easier to hold up the uh, sky if uh, you're not suffering for it, I guess. I guess, yeah, if you're part of the mountain. Or if you're, again, the one to just be uh, kind of like the keeper mm-hmm. of, of it and like watching the pillars and making sure nothing happens. Well, he can't really make sure nothing happens when he's stone, but... Not anymore. Not no. anymore. He kind of screwed that up a little. A little bit. But still burdened, again, like the Ten of Wands, with his task. And Definitely. Couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything, and he had this huge responsibility. Yeah. Well, there was the one moment where he, he was almost free. And he screwed it up. Yeah, he screwed, <laughs> he screwed that one up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if the Ten of Wands has entered into your life, um, the, the tarot's best advice is to find a way to get out of it. <laughs> But um, one other thing that I didn't quite mention is sometimes it can also represent the corruption of power in in more rare cases uh, Mm -hmm. where it's this idea that you're at the top, you have all this power, but you're not quite using it in the way it should be used. Um, That's and so in that case, we have kind of some of the major arcana devil card that can play in the Ten of Wands as well. Uh, where the, there's this idea of being trapped by um, trapped by your own twist of morals, like twisted morals um, that aren't really being used the way that you had intended them originally mm-hmm. to be used. Um, and that's one of the other things that could also be trapping you is that part too. 
Um, but similar to the devil card, the only person who can free you from such a burden is yourself. And of course, part of the problem with doing that and having to be the one to free yourself is that you have to recognize that you are being corrupted and you have to recognize that you are being trapped. So it's kind of, you know, a cycle, which is one of the reasons why I said that this is the Ten of Wands is the kind of trap that you could get stuck in for a very long time. Uh, so if you do get this card, count it as a blessing that you've at least been warned mm -hmm. um, and try to see which ways uh, you're, I'm going to say, try to find the ways in which your responsibilities aren't necessarily as big as you think they are, right? Because a lot of times we, we make our responsibilities out to be these massive uh, issues in our life and we take them very seriously and, you know, there often are something to be taken seriously, but uh, if it's at the expense of your health, um, remember Wands often talks about health and uh, and creativity. If it's at the expense of your ability to function well, then something, you know, then you, then you need to find a way to prioritize those above because you won't be able to do your responsibilities in the long run if you are, you know, being ground down to a husk. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, we are at the end of our episode for today. Hopefully uh, you guys liked what you heard, or if you um, if you did or did not, you can leave us comments <laughs> about it. Especially if you did. <laughs> Especially if you did, yeah. Um, have you ever been in a situation that resembles to Ten of Wands? How did you get out of it? Let, mm -hmm. us, let us know. You can contact us through Facebook and instagram yep. email um can leave us a review on itunes we also are on patreon um you can leave us a comment there or support us as well our final words of wisdom come from the american tarot association under the ten of wands suit sometimes doing what you have to do is far more necessary than doing what you'd like to do so go out there, do what you have to do, and hopefully you can get a little bit closer to those things that you want to do. Myth and tarot, where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, wands, and symbols, and all of the above. Myth, tarot, love.